This is the Horse Radio Network. You're listening to the Athletic Equestrian Riding in College podcast. I'm your podcast host, Sally Batten, and I spent over 35 years coaching collegiate equestrian teams. Want to ride like a varsity athlete? Sally Batten's book, The Athletic Equestrian, is now available to order. Whether competing in the show ring or riding at home on the trail, every rider wants to be more secure and balanced in the saddle and effective with their aids. This innovative guide uses highly effective exercises honed over Coach Sally's 35-year coaching career to develop your athleticism on horseback. This proven rider training system will sharpen position and vastly improve your skills in the saddle. Order now at www.athleticequestrian.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Athletic Equestrian Riding in College podcast. I'm Sally Batten, your podcast host, and I've been interviewing collegiate riders and coaches and organizations and affiliated organizations, although today is not so much affiliated with colleges, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about the sport of polo cross because I've mentioned it on a few past podcasts. And if you've heard any of the podcasts that um, include me and my history, you know that I uh, have been involved in polo cross, although you might not really know how or why. So um, I've invited Ryan Murphy, who is an international polo cross player and coach. And Ryan took a long journey to become the coach that he is today. It all started in 1989 at age eight, when he was introduced to the sport of polo cross by his pony club. So hopefully by uh, the time that this episode airs, you will have listened to our Pony Club episode. From Pony Club Polo Cross on Small Ponies, Ryan began his international travel to the UK in 1996 and started traveling out west playing A grade for the first time in 1998 for Orphan Ranch. While attending college at SMU in Dallas, Ryan played four years with Lone Star After graduating in 2003, he moved to North Carolina to play and coach the Carolina Club. After coaching from the start in his teens and moving up the ranks in polo cross to represent the United States in three World Cups, Ryan started Polo Cross Made Simple in 2011. Ryan also has a podcast called Chucka Talk. And... um, if you have listened to any of his episodes, I've, I've listened to quite a few of those. You learn a lot about some humorous stories of Ryan <laughs> in his international competitions and even his pony club days. So uh, welcome, Ryan, to the podcast. Thank you, Sally. That was very nice. Uh, uh, you know, it definitely makes me feel a little aged. <laughs> uh, I am 41, but uh, definitely uh, one of the one of the old heads in the sport. Uh, right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's been a, been a long journey. Learn a lot of things along the way. But yeah, thanks so, for having me on. Oh, thank you. Um, I, I, you know, I, Polo Cross has a very fond spot in my heart. 
And um, the American Polo Cross Association was formed in 1984 in Phoenix, Arizona. And um, it was started by uh, some college friends of mine from Lake Erie College, Darcy Deming, and uh, numerous other people. There was a whole crew there in Phoenix. Um, and then through the years, I was involved when I was still working at Centenary. I would take my Centenary students out west a few times a year, and we'd play out there on, on rented, mostly dude string horses. That was interesting, who had never played polo cross. But um, why don't you kind of talk about how you became involved? Um, I, I read in your intro that, and I know that it was in, in Pony Club, but, but why don't you just kind of talk about your history with polo cross? Yeah, so um, this might really help explain uh, why this sport is so exciting, why it gets you hooked. Uh, I was in Pony Club. It, I was nine years old, but I had I grew up in a family uh, that did English riding. My mother uh, bred warm bloods um, from Germany, and uh, my dad's a thoroughbred racetrack, but grew up riding English, did the dressage lessons, did some eventing. And, uh, you know, fell off a little pony doing a jumping lesson, cried myself out of that lesson. That wasn't <laughs> any fun. Um, in hindsight, you know, I, I wish I would have, you know, been a little tougher about it. But I just was, I wasn't enjoying those sports as much. My sister was um, doing really well with, with eventing. And um, our DC came home from festival uh, one year and just brought home some rackets. It must have been 88 festival. Uh, were you there? Any idea? No, I don't okay. know. Yeah. And our, so I went to a pony club meeting and our DC had some rackets from that, that he picked up from, from that festival. And uh, my sister and I just started throwing in the outside in the dark, you know, with some street lights, but just throwing the ball back and forth under our armpit, doing it completely wrong. And, but, and, uh, and did the, did the sunlight, did the sky light up and did, did uh, unicorns and rainbows jump over you when you first started? Yeah. Yeah, it did. They did. <laughs> Um, and so, so yeah, so I, I took, I, uh, took, I ended up getting a racket and a ball and I'm sure my mother was excited because I was excited about riding and I was throwing the ball against the door at the down on the bottom of the, the stairs in my house, annoying the heck out of my family. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and then we had a friend who was a, a gym teacher that was also a, a, a uh, an equestrian, uh, her name is Judy Reggio. She breeds, uh, breeds dressage horses. Um, but uh, she's a coach and she just took the rule book and she, we just started having practices with our local pony club. It's called Manatee wow. Creek, Manatee Creek Pony Club in central Pennsylvania. Um, and the, a lot of boys joined the pony club to be a part, you know, to play polo cross. Um, you know, today polo cross has more women than men. It's not, it's not a male dominated sport, but, uh, but it excited enough boys that they joined the pony club. Uh, I was on the first all boys dressage team in my region. Uh, the brown ribbon is eighth place, by the way. So didn't win it or anything, but I was there. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and so, yeah, started playing. My parents were very supportive. And uh, I had my first uh, cross-country trip out west to uh, Durango, Colorado yeah. uh, in 95 and uh, yeah 95 96 and they 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 thought who who is this guy he's wearing <laughs> breeches he's got gloves on he's got this 
goofy looking polo helmet thing. I definitely yeah. didn't fit in because I was I was from an English background. A lot of these people were Western or yeah. uh, or they had already sort of caught the, the Aussie bug and were riding in Aussie saddles and things like that. So right. um, so after some bullying and <laughs> some abuse, um, I sort of I grew in the sport and uh, it became an A grader and um, at a young age, joined the APA board as, uh, you know, I've had all the different roles, uh, chief umpire yeah. um, and, you know, board at large. And just, it's sort of been a lifelong uh, cross to bear, if you may, if, if I may, just something that, I, that I've done my whole life. And it's brought me all over the world. Uh, very fortunate, just like it did for you. And, um, and so, yeah, I've just been playing ever since. and. Uh, you know, my, you know, over time, your, your goals sort of change and you go through times when you take a break and come back to it, but it's always there. Yeah. I have, I have a ton of friends. Uh, I can travel a lot of anywhere in the world, have a place to stay. It's yeah. such, a, such a great, um, great family sport. Um, I've been with my, with my family overseas. My dad's come to, to Ireland to, to watch me play. Wow. Uh, and just, yeah, all those international opportunities, but uh, domestically being able to be a coach, uh, be on some really good teams. Um, yeah, it's just been a blast. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I always say, I always say pull across has been very good to me. Hmm. You know, that the, the, I got involved in it and I've had a lot of opportunities that came to me, just like what you're talking about, your opportunity to represent the United States, you know, I didn't, I didn't really get to do that on any kind of big level and I didn't get to play in other countries, but it, it, you know, polo cross, uh, has been great. Where, what, what countries have you played in? So, uh, 1996 went to the UK, uh, uh, so yeah, 1996 on, a on a junior a pony club team 1998 over to australia on an under 21 team 2000 back to australia um for a just a personal tour with my my a couple of friends robbie and heather shuttles um toured eastern australia you know, new south and queensland um and 2003 world cup so i've been to australia several times 2007 world cup was back in australia and then uh but i i've been to the to Ireland in 2006 on a men's team and uh, been to fortunate enough to go to Zambia and play in 2012. And uh, since then South Africa on just sort of on, on an individual basis, getting to, to play over there. Um, so yeah, a lot of those, a lot of those English speaking countries uh, they're playing in Europe now. I haven't been there and I haven't played in New Zealand. Um, but uh, and haven't been to Zimbabwe, but all the other countries I've been very fortunate to go and play. And um, yeah, so. Yeah. And world. and with uh, 10,000 players worldwide, you know, we have our own families, but really there's a whole pull across family like anywhere that you go. The people are so friendly and open arms. And I'm sure you found that all around the world. Right. Yeah, you think of other equestrian sports or, you know, even you think about, you know, a sport you might play in high school. And a lot of times it ends if you're not good enough to make the college team. But 
with polo cross, you can play at any level. Uh, you can play your whole life. You don't have to be the top of the heap. Uh, you can play socially uh, as, as much as you'd like. And so if you went to another country on a social basis, uh, if you were a, uh, so we started it, let's say um, E grade is sort of the beginner and it goes up to A grade at the top level. You could be a, a C grader and go to another country and try, you know, match your skills with, with their skills and play in that grade. They'll give you a horse, a place to stay. I think it's a very unique sport in that way. Um, I know in, in, in polo, for example, if you go to another country, they'll provide horses, but a lot of times you'll have to, to pay to lease those horses. Right. It's much, much more of a business, but this is an amateur sport uh, where you will go, um, you know, hang, you know, hang out with a family, you're not staying in hotels you're not renting cars yeah and you're getting to ride some horses you've never ridden before um some tremendous show rides in that in the outback in the bush right. um and uh yeah and so it's pretty much just a flight and some money to spend on on you know some incidentals yeah and you're yeah. good to go and i just don't know of a lot of sports that are that way yeah uh, that you can do i mean if you're if you're competing on an international basis um, in, let's say, dressage or jumping, you've got to have the funds to get that horse shipped over there. Right. Uh, you know, and it's not a lot of times you you would get to go to another country um, if you're not a top rider to get to play one of those. You know, you're not going to go ride dressage on a top horse. It, you know, they're you're not. That's just not going to happen. Right. So, uh, so just at any level to be able to play internationally, uh, social tours, serious tours. Um, that's what really makes it unique, I believe. And it as well, um, you know, compared to polo, it's just one of the most affordable sports you can play. Um, you think of, uh, in the, in the equestrian world, a top horse might top polo cross horse might only cost you eight to 10 grand. I mean, that's, that's some of the, the most anyone's ever paid for a top polo cross horse. Um, so, so there's not a lot of big money in it, but, uh, but there's a lot of families that are just hooked because of, uh, you know, because you're camping with your horses, with your family. Right. Uh, so it's just combined so many different aspects of, of that life. In Australia, it was started by uh, camp drafters that would uh, work, the, work the cattle during the week. And then on the weekend, they would just go to these tournaments with their families and, and camp out with those horses and right. have a good social time. So right. that's really what it was founded on. So what, why don't you explain what polo cross is? Obviously, I know the answer, but right. um, explain to our listeners, uh, you know, pretend you're at a dinner party. I'm sure you've explained it hundreds of times. So just explain what polo cross is. And people are obviously familiar with polo. You know, even if they haven't actually seen it, they're familiar with it just from ads or um you know, just common knowledge. So, so talk about how it's different and um, just explain what polo cross is. Yes. Yeah, so, so, uh, so I will compare it to polo. Polo has a, a very large field uh, with polo cross. It's much smaller. It's 160 yards by 60 uh, wide. It has two end zones with goalposts that are eight feet apart. Um, and uh, it's three on three instead of four on four. Uh, you have a uh, number one is a goal scorer. Number three is a defender. Number two is the midfielder. 
Uh, everyone's allowed in the midfield, but uh, when it comes to getting into the end zone or scoring a goal, the number one's the only only allowed to do that. And the number three is the only one allowed to defend it. So there are lines that separate midfield from the end zones. And so the goal, uh, so instead of a mallet and ball hitting it on the ground, uh, pull across has a net uh, with a bamboo uh, shaft and uh, you're passing the ball around foam rubber ball. Um, and you're, well, you're that, that's huge. A four inch foam rubber ball. Because when I started um, playing with my team at Centenary, I didn't want those school horses getting hit with that hard. A polo ball is hard and smaller. Right. So so that's a huge difference. So right. carry on. Yes. Yes. So you're, you're picking the ball up. You're passing it to a teammate. Uh, when it comes to that line, either you have to pass across to your number one or you can bounce it to yourself. You just can't have the ball when you're going across the line. Uh, the sport is uh, very horse centric, meaning your horse has to get you in the right position to be able to go where you want to go. Uh, I'd say they're at least 80% of the sport. Uh, and the rack and the sport is evolving. It's becoming more of a, a racket sport. Um, and so if you could picture someone passing a ball on a rope, completely accurate, 30 to 40 yards, um, you know, you can picture how fast the, the, the sport is going, how, how exciting it is to watch. You know, when you're watching a polo polo match, you know, it's hard to see the other end of the field, what's going on. It's right. a big field. Right. Um, and in polo cross, it's much, much more compact, a lot more checks and spins on the haunches and a lot more contact, I would say. Uh, and so, yeah, definitely exciting sport to watch. A lot of a lot of people that have seen polo and polo cross would say that polo cross is the much more exciting sport to watch. Um and uh, we're not playing on pristine fields. A lot of times it's someone's uh, personal farm. Uh, the, the grass doesn't have to be as short. Uh, so it just makes it a lot more uh, accessible. You know, yeah, for anyone to, yeah. to do. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much pull across. Uh, just like polo, the ball's thrown in in a lineup. So the three, three players line up uh, beside each other, uh, knee to knee. And uh, the ball gets thrown in uh, from the shoulder up. And uh, everyone, you know, goes for the ball and then tries to get it across to their one to score the goal. So, uh, you know, a goal, even though the field's 160 yards long, goals have been scored in five to six seconds. It's just, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And the period of time is uh, typically six minute uh, chukkas. Uh, Polo calls them chuckers. We call them chuckas because in Aussie, you've got to Aussify it. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they spelled it how they said it with their accent. Yeah, check a night. Yeah. Yep. 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 And yeah, so that that's pretty much the, that's the sport. Um, typically, is played with six players, two sections of three. So your first three will go out and um, and they'll play, and then your second section will come on while your first three are taking a break, and then you alternate for six chukas. Uh, so it's a thirty-six minute game, but your personal horse is only playing eighteen minutes. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's sort of the, the, the length of play. Uh, you cannot swap horses mid-chukka. You have to do it. Uh, you have to pretty much stay on the same horse. That's the rules. Sometimes they allow multiple horses to be um, mixed in. But for the most part, uh, you've got to play that same horse. And so you've really got to take care of it. Um, these horses are not seen as expendable. They're seen as, you know, treasured, extremely valuable thing. So um, that's... Uh, you know, in polo, you, 
you've got your relationship spread out with four to six horses, but with this, you've got that, that one-on-one relationship and you really have to manage them over the weekend to make sure that they're ready for that. You know, sometimes we play up to four games on a weekend. So it's a lot. And, and talk, talk about accessible and more affordable because a polo player has to have the whole string, like you just said of, you know, it's the same player playing every single time period, but different horses, but polo cross it's, it's kind of nickname is king of the one horse sports and much more affordable, you know, where, where this is why it's such a family sport is entire families right down to the youngest kid. They even have, what do they call that peewee division or chuckles, chuckles, right. (laughs) Tiny little kids being led around on the field. It's hilarious, (laughs) but um, it's much more affordable because you know, I, I think for the average horse owner, polo is totally out of reach. It's it's not. And and I'll just speak personally. I've tried both sports. I I'm an OK polo cross player. I'm a horrible polo player. Just the the weight of the mallet and and the I just I just wasn't able to do it. Right. So. And I, I was. I was involved with polo for a couple of years. I was the assistant coach for Harvard polo. So I got to see how that operated and I, I tried it ton of respect for the skill it takes to play polo. I mean, yeah. you've got you, and it, it is amazing what those players are able to do. Um, and, you know, you were involved with, you know, playing, you know, college sport and you're able to share horses and share the cost. Uh, it's like a, it's a club sport in polo. And so it is very accessible in college. And if, if SMU had it back then, I probably would have tried to get involved. It definitely couldn't have hurt my polo cross, uh, my, you know, my ability to play polo cross. And, and so, but once you get out of college playing polo, it really comes down to you personally being able to afford, you know, those. So if you don't own horses, you've got to pay 150 a chukka uh, times four. So 600 just to play on a, on a polo Sunday. Uh, that's what they're charging wow. at least these horses. And and that that's just at a low level, so I don't know what the what the financials are at a higher level. Um, and so, what we've always struggled with in polo cross is because it's not a professional sport, is to make it look as professional. And so, right. you have some players that take it a lot more serious. Um, their horses are in much better shape, and it definitely shows. Um, there are high goal tournaments. There are World Cups in polo cross. It really shows it as a spectacle, uh, the exciting sport that it is. Um, we've just struggled due to the um, sort of the lack of growth and lack of funds to be able to be on a, uh, a much larger scale. You know, 10,000 isn't a lot of players. I'd say at least half of those players are just in Australia. Right. We've, all, we've always struggled to sort of shine it up and, and, uh, and show it off the way that polo gets uh, shown off. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it definitely takes commitment. But those four, you might own four horses, but it's for all your family. You, know, you go out, out on a weekend and it's one for each family member. Uh, you know, kids are playing with their with their grandparents and uh, and, you know, talk about the financials. I mean, to be an APA member, it's something like ninety dollars for the whole year. So that's the whole right. membership. And yeah. a tournament might cost you one hundred dollars. That includes a, uh, a Saturday meal and that includes four games. 
that yeah. you know, they, we bring in professional, we bring in really good umpiring yeah. and, you know, insurance and, and it covers a lot of different things, but uh, yeah, extremely affordable. Usually the biggest expense might be traveling, you know, gas, paying for gas right. uh, to travel long distances. There's typically eight to 10 hours between clubs. It is a big, uh, we do play all over the country. So that's the biggest expense. You know, we aren't staying at hotels though. We are camping out, which definitely saves money. Yeah. Um, you know, some people have, uh, get to stay in, you know, really nice living quarters trailers, you know, keeping up with the Joneses is a little tough sometimes, but, uh, people do it their own way. Some people are camping in tents. Um, so yeah, we all, we make it work, but, uh, yeah, it is a tremendously accessible sport. And I'd say yeah. um, for a lot of people that start playing, it's hard to stop. Right. Especially, especially if you have a club that, that is very active nearby. Right. Going. Right. Yeah. Uh, 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 when I had the opportunity to go to Australia, I slept a few nights in the horse trailer. So the horses come out at night and get, you know, put in the uh, little corrals that they make. And then uh, there I was. It was summer, but it was freezing because it's winter. Right. <laughs> in Australia. And I think I had on every piece of clothing in my. <laughs> in my bag and it was raining and the thing was leaking that that's my worst experience. Most of the time I was staying with people and, uh, well, well, yeah, I don't, you should expand on that because you did have a quite a big trip back in the eighties. Um, right. and you wrote a book about it with pictures and you weren't just staying with anybody. You were staying with the best Australians, the best people in the world yeah. at, the, at the time, legendary yeah. people. Um, yeah. so, you know, the amount of horsemanship, the amount of things that you must have learned from that experience. I'm sure the social side was unparalleled, yes. um, but uh, I'm sure you had a lot of great lessons along the way. But yeah, so talk a little bit about that trip. I, I, I haven't heard yeah. every, I haven't heard all the details. I just know that yeah. you, you interviewed some pretty big names. Yeah, so so I had the opportunity. It was pretty much... Um, uh, placed in my lap when when I was at Centenary which is in Hackettstown New Jersey um the uh there was a man named Chris Murphy who happened to be the manager of a rock band and if you're of a certain age you know the band the band is in excess mm. and um whenever he came to New York on business he wanted to he had started playing polo cross and he wanted to uh, play with a club in New York or New Jersey. So he contacted the APA, which is the American Polo Cross Association. They connected him with me, luckily. And whenever he was in New York, he'd come play with us at Centenary. And uh, so after, uh, I probably, we probably knew each other for maybe a year or maybe even two and one day he called me. This is not on a cell phone. This this is old school, right? <laughs> Picked up the phone and he said, Sally, do you want to um, go to Australia and write a book about polo cross? I, I, you know, I've sent my people out to to get me a book on the sport and there isn't any sport. There isn't any book written. So he I said he had never seen anything that I'd written. All that I'd written were magazine articles. I'd never written a book, but I was like, yeah, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the, the moral to my life 
I've had extraordinary experiences dropped in my lap and oh yeah, I just say yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. I always say so. Yes. Yeah. So, um, I was flown over to Australia and, and, um, met up with a photographer, Peter Solness, who had never heard of, I don't know if he'd heard of polo cross. He had never shot polo cross. He was a pretty well-known photojournalist. And, uh, we flew up to Darwin where the Australian national championships were. So, so that we think we have a lot of space to cover. Imagine, I mean, there were, there were teams from Tasmania way down in the South. There were teams from Western Australia. They all converged on Darwin. So it was great for me to actually meet everybody. Like I had one main contact that actually my, um, friend Darcy had hooked me up with and he introduced me to everyone and uh from there we didn't even have an itinerary of who I was going to interview or where I was going to go but at the nationals it's all the movers and shakers who are still some of the the biggest names in polo cross right right so um for the most part everyone's super welcoming there was there was one woman, an older <laughs> woman, who came up to me and said, what do you think you're doing? An American woman writing about this Australian sport? And as soon as she said woman, I was like, okay, disregard Sally. That doesn't <laughs> matter. But but everyone else was so welcoming. And I had my little tape recorder. And Peter and I traveled around and stayed with the different people that I that I interviewed and um, Peter shot photos, not only of the people, but of the, the action at the polo cross tournament. So there are some amazing, the book is called polo cross Australian made internationally played. Mm. Um, It was published in 1990. So it can be a little hard to find. I do have it for sale on my website, which is athletic equestrian.com. But what a what an amazing opportunity to to go around and learn from the best, right? And right. and there were there were Australian experts. You know, the the president of the Australian Polo Cross Association wrote on the history of the sport. Joy Poole wrote on the tactics. Um, Graham Spackman t- uh, wrote on the uh, training. There was a vet that did the vet chapter. So, so there were obviously a lot of, of people way more experienced than I in for those chapters, but all the other chapters, I had the opportunity to write. And then I came back home. I was there for eight weeks, came back home, sat down, wrote out the book longhand. There were computers, but they were just starting. And yeah. You know, they those big giant ones that cost so much. I'm I'm really aging myself here, but <laughs> I wrote it long, hand typed it on a typewriter. Right. <laughs> you know, so you, you can't just move paragraphs around. I mean, imagine. Right. Right. Uh spent a cu- a couple months writing it that that then went into it probably total it took about a year to write and then and then it was published in 1990 so it's a big coffee table book it's um the photographs are just stunning you know most people just look at the 
the photographs, but it still stands right as a as yeah. with a lot of the information. Some of the rules have changed, right? But, but otherwise, it it has pretty stood, you know, pretty much stood the test of time, right? And you know these these horse people, horse men, horse women, are magic on a horse. I mean, you they're yeah. legend they're legends in the sport because they are one with the horse. I mean, that horse pretty much goes wherever they're thinking. Yes. And uh, some of the quickest, best trained horses in the world have come from these people. Um, so if you mention if you mention those names today, um, they are legendary people. So you went to the right place. You went to the to, to where Polo Cross started. And you went to the right, you were with the right people. Right. And um, I remember in the going, you know, everyone loves an American that comes over to Australia. Yes. Uh, yes. I'll, on my junior team to the UK, uh, one of my play, one of my uh, teammates uh, was convinced the UK girls that he was an American movie star. Oh no! <laughs> and he was pretty successful. That his name was Craig Mento. Uh, yeah. But uh, but yeah, it, it people love the international. I mean, you think you have, you know, you think you don't have an accent to them. You're, you're a rock right. star. And, right. um, and the whole, you know, the whole idea is you go to these places and then you invite them back and you reciprocate. And, uh, you know, there's just that exchange that goes on and, um, right. Right. yeah, you make lifelong friends, but yeah, that must've been a tremendous experience. I mean, I, I camped in a swag when I was over there, so it's their winter, yep. uh, pretty much just a canvas you know, a canvas, uh, pad, you know, with a right. mattress in it and your pillow and you roll it up with a right. belt, with a belt, and then yep. you just throw yep. it anywhere and you sleep. And That's you, what I slept in. <laughs> you poke, you poke your head out in the morning. It's frozen. Um, yeah. you, you know, you hope your boots aren't frozen. You hope you didn't leave them outside. Um, yeah. because who knows how you got the swag at 2 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you just find a campfire and yeah. you have, a, a a bacon, it's like Canadian bacon, but you have a little bacon, egg and cheese sandwich and right. a meat pie for lunch. And, right. you know, picture, right. picture how many players must've been at that nationals, uh, oh, thousand, easily yeah. a thousand, probably yeah. more than that. Yeah. 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 And talk about experiences. You know, I got to go with one player, he's like, uh, come on, we have to go round up the young stock, you know, so they, they breed them, they wean them, they take them out to the mountains for a year or two, right. To, to grow and get strong. And I got to go uh, to the snowy river mountains and round up the young stock up, <laughs> you know, out of the mountain down into the the valley and load them on the trailer and away we went you know how how cool was that did you go down the hill really fast yeah just <laughs> like the movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah and yeah these you know i feel like our horses are very um they have a different experience over here getting trained they're in a riding ring or something like that right over there they get trained on a ranch they're working yeah. cattle they have yeah. a job and uh, and so they toughen up and they learn things pretty quickly. Most of the right. movements are natural, um, but uh, but yeah, they're they're workhorses. They're not right. just polo cross right. horses. That's yeah. right. And I did get the opportunity to compete a little bit. And one of them, one of the competitions 
they they're called carnivals not tournaments and uh this same same guy that that you know i brought down the the young stock out of the mountains he said he said well we can't go this weekend but why don't you take the car and trailer like literally it was a small car because it's so flat there you don't need these giant you know just to pull a two horse trailer right um and i'm driving on the other side right <laughs> <laughs> and uh this horse was a four-year-old and, and we get home and, and they were like, uh, you know, how, how was he, how do he do for you? And I said, well, you know, a little, little sticky in the lineup. And, and they were like, Oh, that's the first time he's ever played. <laughs> 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 so good thing they told me after and not before. Cause I, you know, I'm not sure what I would have, uh, I would have been that, that brave. <laughs> well, and I, uh, and I grew up around, um, my mom's warm bloods and they're afraid of their shadow. And, you know, it, yeah. it, it's kind of hard watching, you know, it's, it's, it's not good to be fearful as a child uh, on horses. And um, I went over to the UK in 96 on that tour that I've been talking about. And uh, what, what they do is they have to go from paddock to paddock. They have to go down the road through a gate. And I was on this young horse that was acting up and I was very nervous as a nine year, nine year old rider. I didn't have the confidence. And what happened was, they open that gate and th what they do every time is they gallop full speed up a hill. And this yeah. was, you know, think about a hill that has a bunch of hills within it, you know, for irrigation. And it's just, you know, and I'm screaming, I'm scared, but my horse is going to follow their horses. And, uh, and what it did, it just built confidence, you know, yeah. for me. And I, you know, then I go out to Orphan Ranch in New Mexico and Colorado and uh, my, my teammates are, you know, they see me in gloves and stuff and they toughen me up and, yeah, and I just I think being confident on a horse is so important that, you know, if you can cross train and you know you can right. you can do other things, you can desensitize your horse from airplanes and trains right. and automobiles. And um, I think that's a huge thing because, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of kids out there that would still be riding if they hadn't had a bad experience. I mean, how many people have you talked about riding to and, and their first experience they got bucked off and you think um, nine. Nine out of 10, like in social situations, they say, oh, I rode a horse once or twice and it wasn't good. Right. And I'm thinking, who are these people that hated you that much that would give you that kind of experience? And yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, that's one of the huge things that benefited me and it kept me riding was because right. of that. Um, my sister was pretty fearless as a young, young lady. Um, she was doing the young riders, the eventing, she was on, on track to go pretty far with that. And she just had a bad fall in, in, uh, on the cross country course, same as Christopher Reeves, uh, same course, right. probably fell right. over a table jump and her confidence was gone. Um, right. if she didn't have pole cross to build it back up, she wouldn't yeah. be, she wouldn't be riding. I, you know, we later on in life, uh, we, you know, I'd say 10 years later, we were on a world cup team together. And right. So, uh, yeah, it's just always going to be there. I mean, you can try yeah. the we try the sports, we do other thing, uh, different priorities take hold. But if you you know you always have the sport to go back to because right. everyone wants you to come you know come back and play or um, you know yeah just tremendous in that way. Right, and when I teach clinics, uh, because I can teach both polo cross and my usual you know hunter jumper and flat. I, a lot of times I'll have a beginner and they might be very fearful and timid or be too in their head about their position and that kind of thing. You give them a racket and ball, 
suddenly that kid who was too scared to canter even is, is, you know, cantering down the field, going for the ball. It just takes their mind off of, you know, having to, to overthink it really. So right. it's, it's so great. It's so great for that. So I highly suggest to our listeners that you Google polo cross on uh, or, or search on YouTube. Uh, you have to look at some of those Australian, you know, a grade or even international matches to see the excitement of it. But what I did at that first nationals, it's so fast and everything, you can't really appreciate it, but also watch some of the kids games. <laughs> Yes. Because they will be slower. You'll be able to see, you know, where they're going and what they're doing. So so go go to the pros first to see what it's all about, because it really is exciting. And um, see, you know, that there aren't a lot of clubs in the U.S., but I, I'm sure all of us, anyone that's involved in polo cross would love to see it in more places and you can be a western rider you can be an english rider you can be a dressage rider even and and play pole lacrosse so thank you ryan so much for taking your time to uh talk to everyone and explain what pole lacrosse is and i've uh really enjoyed talking to you thanks a lot you know and i must say this as an apa board member uh, go to americanpolacross.org if you're interested Sally and I are listed on there as coaches. Um, so you might find one in your area. Um, Sally's, she travels, she goes to Hawaii and Alaska. So uh, she's the type of person that would come to your club and um, not just teach you polo cross, but teach you every, all the other wonderful things that she has knowledge about. Uh, yeah, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, I could talk about it all day. Um, you know, I've had podcasts that are four hours long. They're not fun to edit, but, but you know, it's just a way of life and it's, yeah. I love talking about it. So thanks for having me on. Podcast host Sally Batten is booking clinics and would love to travel to your barn. Sally brings a wealth of knowledge to help every rider from beginners to accomplished athletes. Her positive, upbeat teaching style will help all riders improve, and she brings along her teaching tools to help fix bad habits. Sally teaches both on the flat and over fences, is a certified polo cross coach, and has recently started teaching clinics in Equisize, which is aerobics on horseback. Contact her today to book your clinic at athleticequestrian at gmail.com. That's athleticequestrian at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to the Athletic Equestrian Podcast. If you'd like more information on this podcast or any of our other podcasts, you can contact me at athleticequestrian at gmail.com. This podcast was produced by Jack Boyata. And the music is by Kitcher. The Athletic Equestrian Riding and College podcast will be on break for the rest of this year and will pick up again the third week in January next year. See you then. <laughs>